Hey, it's Drex from This Week Health Cyber and Risk Community, and I want to invite you to our next webinar. It's going to focus on what else? Defending health data. I'll be chatting with experts from Rubrik and Microsoft. Register right now at thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. That's all one string, R-U-B-R-I-K webinar, thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. See you online soon. Today in Health IT, OpenAI has their dev days and the pace of change is not slowing down anytime soon. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels and events dedicated to transform healthcare one connection at a time. We want to thank our show sponsors who are investing in developing the next generation of health leaders, SureTest, Artisite, Parlance, Certify Health, Notable, and ServiceNow. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. Hey, this story and all the other stories we're going to be talking about are on our website, thisweekhealth.com slash news. In fact, it's on the menu. Just click on news. There they are, all of them that we talk about. They could be from Becker's. They could be from Modern Healthcare. They could be, this one is actually from the OpenAI website. So they could be from any of those but they're on our site for you, summarized, easy to get to, easy to find. All the stories that you need are right there. Check it out. We're still in beta. Send me feedback. DM me, LinkedIn, Twitter. Let me know what you think. All right. One last thing. Share this podcast with a friend or colleague. Use it as a foundation for daily or weekly discussions on the topics that are relevant to you in the industry. They can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Open AI. Other, if you're not familiar, OpenAI is the founder and the parent company for ChatGPT and is 50%, I think about 50% owned by Microsoft at this point, or Microsoft has funded them to the tune of billions of dollars. And they had a their, their first dev days. And to be honest with you, it's really interesting because it was a smaller-ish auditorium, if you will, and that in and of itself was uh, surprising to have that kind of uh, small auditorium. But I think it's going to be one of those things that you're going to remember back to the day when it was, uh, it was that small. In fact, towards the middle to demonstrate the software, they were, they were doing some code where they essentially talked into it. And the guy said, hey, give everybody $500 in OpenAI API credits. And it's, it started to, to do that, it started to give people uh, credits. And so again, smaller type auditorium. I think it's the last time it will be that way because they are killing it. They are absolutely killing it. If you look at it, a year ago, it was 100 million, uh, the fastest release of technology ever to 100 million users. And now they are touting 100 million daily active users. 100 million daily active users. I will tell you that everybody on our team has an account, a paid account, which is $20 a month per person because we are finding that much value in it. I will also tell you that in API credits and whatnot, we spend, I don't know, roughly $40 to $80 a month on API credits because we are automating things. And I am as happy as I can be to spend that money because the, the return on the investment has been fantastic. So anyway, let me give you an idea of what they talked about. This is straight from the OpenAI site. It's from their blog. Today, we shared dozens of new additions and improvements and reduced pricing across many parts of the platform. These include new GPT-4 Turbo model, 
that is more capable, cheaper, and supports 128K context window, which is huge. There are times where you're trying to send stuff to OpenAI and you have to chunk it and you have to essentially do these gyrations because it can't handle the the larger amounts of things either on a request or on a return of that request. And so that is huge. They reduced the pricing by 2x to 3x on requests and returns, which is really amazing. But anyway, that's just the basic. And by the way, it's faster. But that wasn't what they really focused in on. They really focused in on driving the cost down. They focused in on the additional capabilities. I have a feeling they will make it faster as we move along, but it's fast enough from where I sit. And what they're going to do is they're going to make it faster so that you are now going to see it integrated into all sorts of applications that are real time. And I'll get to that in a minute. So new assistant API that makes it easier for developers to build their own assistive AI apps that have goals and can call models and tools. What's interesting, the the most interesting thing to me about that is there's a no code version of building assistance where you can essentially talk to it and it starts to build the assistant for you. You could upload PDFs and it starts to build the assistant for you. It's 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 a no-code solution. It's really powerful, the things that you can do with this thing. I'm envisioning, and I'm, there's a couple points in here where I'll talk to you about what I think healthcare can do. I'm envisioning that every health system will have a voice, will have a voice or an assistant that can give you information about that system, the best way to get an appointment, the best way to find parking, the best way to find a new physician, the, the physicians who have open spots on their schedule, you name it. All the information that people generally call your service desk about, you're gonna be able to build assistants that capture that information and give that information back. And it can even do it in voice. And we'll get to that in a minute. A new multimodal capabilities in the platform, including vision, image creation, and text-to-speech. So not a minute, 30 seconds. So there you go. The multimodal capabilities are really fascinating. I started playing with the Dolly 3 integration and I put in some text in the GPT and said, hey, create for me some cards for our podcast that's at the intersection of technology and healthcare. And it spit back two cards. I then said, hey, our core color is DA2128 in hexadecimal. And can you include that? And it changed the color. Now we're seeing this everywhere, right? We're seeing this in Adobe Photoshop or we're seeing it in all the Adobe products. They're they're bringing it out. We're seeing it in some of the other graphics products as well that you're gonna be able to do things that are just amazing and it's gonna be voice. So it used to be you had to be an artist in order to do certain things and now it's just gonna be, you just have to be creative to do certain things. Now I think there's still gonna be a premium on people that do art, that do hand art and those kind of things. Just the the model's going to change. Graphic design is going to change. And there's going to be, you're going to be able to look at art and say that's a graphic designer or that's an AI model, maybe. But if you're a true aficionado of art, you're going to start to appreciate graphic designers that have a style and have a yeah, a style, essentially, that you're going to be able to, to look at. But I think that's how graphic designers are going to have to differentiate. They have a certain way of, of approaching a project or a certain way of developing images. So th- they will have a style, but you're going to be able to 
talk to a prompt and get images back. Now, just like everything else in ChatGPT, prompt engineering is gonna be important and understanding how to get that out. But I will tell you, as somebody that has used some of the other tools that are out there and the prompts that were required, they were very complex. And what this does is simplifies the interface. It is just flat out straight text or straight uh, voice prompts that lead you to where you need to get to. Very interesting from that perspective. Don't need the, the vast technical knowledge in order to generate the images. And finally, text-to-speech. This is, uh, I think, very interesting to me because you can access this via the API and the responses now can come back as voice and their voice sounds really good. And we've heard this over the years, how voice sounds clunky when you you know, type words into it and say, speak this back to me. And it's like, my name is Bill Russell. It's just, it's clunky. And that's not what this sounds like. And there's six voices. It's very fluid. It sounds really good. And what I envision you being able to do is to create a voice interaction kind of mechanism. You could do that at a kiosk. You could do that on a chatbot on your uh, website. You could do that for disabilities and those kind of things. There's a lot of things you're going to be able to do with this that, quite frankly, are new capabilities. This is a new muscle for us in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of people are toying with GPT-4 and they're toying with these large language models and saying, oh, we've got time. I, I think the time windows are getting shorter and you're going to see organizations really differentiate themselves with this kind of stuff. I will tell you, our small organization has is, is able to do I think run circles around our competition because we are heavily automating tasks using GPT-4 as a reasoning engine. Uh, the 128K contacts, they have more information on that and why that's important. They also updated their knowledge base to April of 2023. It used to be 2021, I forget. I think November of 2021. And that was a real limitation. And it was, it was, it was silly. You'd say, who won the Super Bowl? And it would give you the information from from 2021. Now we're at April of 2023. And this is, I think, in direct response. First of all, it needed to happen. But I think this is in direct response to what Elon Musk is doing and the model that they're coming out, which, which is going to be up to the minute based on the Twitter feed. So I think that's going to be very fascinating to keep an eye on. The 128K context window can fit the equivalent of more than 300 pages of text in a single prompt. 300 pages of text. That's huge. As I said, outputs are two times cheaper. Inputs are three times cheaper, which makes the uh, model more accessible. And that's pretty exciting. Function calling, you now have the ability to do multiple function calls at the same time. You can, there's a JSON object, so you, it can return in JSON. There, one of the things that's really interesting to me is the ability to do reproducible outputs. So you can, you can take, as we talked about on the show before, probabilistic is one of the problems with these models. It, if you ask it the same question over and over again, it is going to potentially give you different answers. That is a feature and a limitation. And for those of you who don't want it as a feature and you want to limit that ability, like in healthcare, where there is a specific response to a specific question, you're going to be able to, you're going to essentially be able to give it a model that it responds out in a reproducible way. So that's pretty exciting. There's some updates to GPT 3.5 Turbo. They've come out with this concept called assistance. 
where you're going to be able to, again, you're going to be able to build these assistants and they're bundles of features that can produce some interesting results. And the example they gave on the on the uh, video that I watched was essentially, you, know, you have a website, a uh, travel website, and you say, hey, I'm thinking about going to Paris in the spring. And it pulls up a map of Paris. What are the 10 places I should see in Paris? And it drops the things, the markers onto the map. And you say, hey, I'm, I, I have an Airbnb that I've reserved and you can drop the PDF in to share the Airbnb information and it puts a marker where that is. And then you could ask it a question like, how much am I paying for the Airbnb? And it gives you information back based on the PDF that you drop. Then you could drop your airline ticket in there and you get the picture. It's this assistant that is gonna help you with the entire trip. The more information you give it, the more it's gonna give back. And again, it's a no code kind of thing. The other thing that's crazy to me is that it has a code interpreter in there. And if you ask it a question that it doesn't necessarily have the ability to do, let's say uh, you're going to split the bill for the Airbnb, but uh, there's four of you going and one of you is going to stay for three days. The rest of you are staying for five days and you want to know what your share is and you're one of the people staying for five days. It's going to actually write code to do that math, return the answer on that and give you the specific amount that you are required to pay as the person who is staying for five days versus three days. Anyway, you get the idea. This is it's really powerful stuff. They also have a playground that they put together. New modalities, GPT-4 with vision, so it can see it can see the images that you're putting in there. And they have the costs associated with it. Dolly 3, I talked about a little bit. Text-to-speech, I talked about a little bit. I just think it's really, really interesting. I don't know if I hit this button, whether it'll play and you can hear it, but I'm going to hit it As anyway. the golden sun dips below the horizon, casting long shadows across the tranquil meadow, the world seems to hush. And a there you go. So that's the text-to-speech reading back some things. I don't know if that picked up on the microphone. I hope it did. I think it's smoother than things I've heard in the past. There's uh, now the ability to do fine-tuning of GPT-4. You can actually train these models. I think by training these models directly into GPT-4, I think they just put a whole bunch of startups out of business that were living in that space of, hey, GPT-4, we're gonna create this uh, mechanism for you to train it on, our, on, on your information and then ask questions of that. I think that whole area of startup just went, just went uh, belly up, or at least they will have to figure out a way to differentiate themselves they have higher rate limits. So they used to rate limit people. You can only put in so many requests per hour and that kind of stuff that went up. There's a copyright shield and my gosh, there's so many things. Oh, they're coming out with a an app store and there's the apps are called GPTs. You can develop these GPTs and put them in the app store. And I think that is going to be a billion dollar operation within two years is my guess. What's the so what for you in your healthcare system? The so what is this thing is real. It is moving at a pace that is extremely fast. I think we, we're healthcare, right? Our core business is delivering care to the community. But your core business as an IT professional is always looking for ways to make the organization more effective at its core tasks. And this is a tool, I believe, that can help you to make your organization more effective, more efficient. It is a, as Satya Nadala has said about the perfect machine, natural language front end, reasoning engine, 
co-pilot design. I, I'm going to keep restating that because it has been transformative. What, from when I heard it till now, it's been transformative. So natural language front end, meaning you can interact with it. You can now do things that you couldn't do before. And the example is as a graphic designer, you can now talk to it, give it a prompt, and it gives you a graphic design back. You can talk to it and it can create a cartoon back. You can talk to it and it can create code back to you. So it is a natural language front end. That reasoning engine gives it the ability to do a lot of things. Like you feed it information and say, what do you think this really means? And it gives you a response back on those things. And it's pretty doggone good at it. And so we are using it to automate a whole bunch of tasks that quite frankly, my team did not like doing and did not enjoy doing, like maintaining the website and updating things and those kinds of things. And we're automating that stuff in the background using this as a reasoning engine and essentially say, hey, here's the post that's currently up there. Does it have good SEO? Does it have current SEO based on the terms that we're looking at? And if it determines no, we update the information on the website based on that. It's that kind of stuff that used to be done by an individual and used to get on the back burner. It used to be on a list of things like, oh, when we get a chance, we're gonna go back and clean all this stuff up. That's how we're using it here. And I think if I were CIO of a health system, I would identify, just within IT, I'd identify 100 tasks within the first month that I think we could automate using this kind of tool. So anyway, just thought I'd share that with y'all. It's, yes, I am high on this. I think this is a great tool. I think there will be other tools, by the way. There will be competing tools. There just has to be. This is Microsoft's play. You have an Amazon play as well. You have Elon Musk's new thing as well. You have Google's Bard. There's going to be different plays, different things they're good at. But my gosh, this is going to be this is going to be huge organizations with big checkbooks running as quickly as they can at utilizing these kinds of tools for advancing things. Anyway, that's all for today. Don't forget, share this podcast with a friend or colleague. Keep the conversation going. We want to thank our channel sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. SureTest, Artisite, Parlance, Certify Health, Notable, and ServiceNow. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.